rest, we forget you. And we forget each other. In Jesus' name, amen. turn to the sun weight on my shoulders a bullet in my gun oh I got eyes in the back of my head just in case I have to run And the stars fill the night That's when I'm gonna stand up Take my people with me Together we are going To a brand new home Far across the world. This month, join us as we journey through the timeline Of the tribulations and achievements of African American history
mass I sure am you know when you, you know you're getting used to the mass it's when you have it on and you try to eat some <laughs> that's when you know you're really used to this thing on your face and the, and the person just sat there and looked at me I said you ain't gonna tell me nothing I said no nah, I just want to see what you're gonna do I'm not gonna tell you who did that to me y'all guess Oh, yeah. That's Pierre for you. Let us stand and read this passage of Scripture. It's in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. I'm going to read from verse 1, even though this message is from verse 5. Okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is not like Pierre. Oh, no. Pierre got it. He, he, got, he got the moves and the grooves. Hey, I'm old. <laughs> Look at verse 1. He said to the disciples, it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him whom, to whom through whom they come. It may be better for him to be, a, just a lot of false teachers and people in the last days, there will be many false teachers trying to strum you up and make you feel good. He says it would be better for him if a milestone were hung around his neck and he be thrown into the sea, then he would come cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. But if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> and the Lord said, if you had, that, had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to, its, to the smallberry tree, lots of them in the round that time, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Which of you, having a slave, plowing or tending sheep, will say to him, when he has come in from the field, come immediately and sit down and eat? But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat, and properly clothe yourselves and serve me while I eat and drink? And afterward, you may eat and drink? He does not thank the slave, because he did the things which were commanded. Does he? So you too. When you do all the things which are commanded you, say, he is an unworthy slave. We have done only that which we ought to have done. Dear God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you are who you are. And you tell us the truth. God, I pray that this message would be clear. I pray that we'd understand it. So that, Lord, we will not be listed as unworthy slaves. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Years ago, 
I was excited to go into college. I was very excited to go into college, and I was the first kid in my family to go to college. And so I was off to college, and my parents made it very clear. You, all of us, going to college. All of you, going to college. That's it. That's how this family is going to operate. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. And I remember heading off to college, but I had no money. My parents said, hey, we're going to support you. We're going to stand by you, but we don't have no college tuition for eight kids. No problem. I understand work. That's how our parents raised me. So I was out working three jobs, three jobs. I had two hours, three hours sleep per night, just working, 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 trying to get that money. I had a, 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 some academic scholarship money, some, some uh, lots of grant money. Uh, I, had to, I had to find that spot. And I remember going to a meeting they had. A friend of mine said, man, come to this meeting. They're selling encyclopedias, and you can make a lot of money selling encyclopedias, man. Come on, come on. So I ran to that meeting because I was tired of working three jobs every summer. I, I was excited. I went to the meeting. They showed me what they're going to do. I recognized what it's going to cost, and I said, man, I'm all in. And I started to sell encyclopedias that summer. I was all excited. I was selling them. I had my little badge around my neck, little bag around me, and I was going in these homes selling encyclopedias. My boss dropped me off in Mesquite, Texas. In Mesquite, Texas, in the 70s. You know, that was in the 80s, early 80s. Mesquite, Texas. While I was in Mesquite, Texas, I'm walking up the street from one house to the next. You're on these blocks. You're going from one block to the next set, knocking on doors in them days. And I'm on this block. The next thing I heard is the N-word, 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 N-word. I, I was like, what in the world is going on? Why are these people just blatantly doing this? And so I just kept going about my business. That's how I was raised. Turn off the noise. Stay focused. So I kept going. I got to go back to school. Next thing I know, a cop car pulls up. Cop car pulls up, and I'm spread eagle on the back. I hadn't done nothing. Badges around my neck. I followed the rules. You knock on the door, you back up to make sure you don't intimidate the person coming to the door, seeing you standing there. They don't know you, and they see you to peephole. you like your face is right there. Back up. Speak to them from a distance. I've done all this stuff. I know anything. I'm just trying to get some money to go back to college so I had to work as hard and I could even save up some money the way I did my budget. I had my little budget set out. Next thing I know, I'm spread eagle. Back in the car, I had a trainee that day because I was doing so well. They gave me a trainee. I had this trainee there. And now I'm in the back of this cop car, handcuffed. And the guy is driving us all through the neighborhood as people muck us. And I'm in the back of the muskie jail with a bunch of bikers talking all the junk they did to people's lives. I was about 19 or 20. And I remember saying, man, can I get at least a phone call? I felt helpless. I had nobody to call. I didn't know what to say. I was scared to call my parents because of the standards they have. And I just sit in this jail cell. I said, no, I'm calling my house. So I got on the phone and said, hey, Dad, I didn't do nothing. And I'm back here in jail. What? Where? Mesquite, Texas. Click. I said, oh boy, I'm here for a minute. <laughs> but next thing I know, I hear this South American accent screaming. I said, oh man, he's going to be in jail with me. <laughs> I, I was scared. I hear these guys talking about who they raped and what they robbed and big bikers. I mean, these guys weren't no small guys. These were huge guys with all the jackets on and talking crazy. And me and this other guy, we like true jailbirds sitting there. I heard my dad's voice and I said, oh my God, he's going to be back here. Shut up. And next thing I know, I'm out of jail. Out of jail. My dad grabbed me. My big brother was there. Maybe that's why they got scared. My brother's 6'6". Six, six. He ain't skinny. And he's walking with my dad who's 5'9". So maybe they look at the 6'6 six, six guy, 6'5 six, guy. I remember coming in there, my dad, so thank God for him. He didn't ask me no questions, nothing. He just said, son, you okay? That's about all he said. I'm good, dad. All right. He said, all right. Went home. I remember putting that bag on my back the next day, and he looked at me. He said, you're still doing that job? I said, no, sir. I'm going to turn everything in today. You see, that's the first time in my life feeling proud of being educated, going to, going to college, pre-med at the time, thinking about being a medical doctor, all these different things that I felt helpless. I felt hopeless. And I recognized that day my source. 
I recognized that day that without my parents, without my parents and my brother, who I got a tall brother, he, he don't play. You don't touch his brother. That's standard with my brother. So I'm not shocked he showed up. My, my older brother was just always like that. Just, anybody try to jump on me in the neighborhood? No, you're not doing that. He didn't even ask me what I did. He gave me a lot of mouth, too. That negative thing that happened out of it. Because the minute I see him show up, I'm saying, what you going to do now? You know, I, I got all brave when my brother showed up. So I was surprised to see him there. My dad never asked me what I did wrong. He never asked me any of that stuff. All he said to me was, you're going to keep that job? And that was it. I knew that day that no matter who blew my head up in, sem in college, who told me whatever on the soccer field as I gained more and more accolades, who my source was. You see, many times in this life, we are, achieve many things. We get educated. We get master's degrees. We get bachelor's degrees. We get houses. We get good jobs. We, we are able to get good life insurance, health insurance. We're able to sometimes proceed forward and develop a good retirement plan. We, we, we got good cars now. We got all these different things. And we forget the source. Satan has a way of making us so resourceful we don't need the source. You, you, you see this when... Uh, you, you watch the nation of Israel, you know, in the wilderness, had a bad heart. When God changed that heart, they were willing to storm through the gates, storm over the walls that fell down, and go in and take the giant. But once they walk into those houses, once they walk into the resources that are there, once they walk into all of this stuff, he couldn't get them to show up at church. He couldn't get them to bring the white offering. He couldn't get them to respond to him. Why? They got a bunch of cows when they walked into the promised land. They walked into houses already built, cows already there, animals already in place. They walk into coming out of a wilderness, living in a tent and moving around in a tent to a stable environment, a stable place. And so when it came to just serving God, worshiping God, turning their lives over to God, he was no longer the source because Satan has filled their minds so much that they don't need that source. I found myself doing that as a 19-year-old African-American at Austin College in Sherman, Texas, where a few black people went to. And I'm on a soccer team that booed me out to the field when I won my spot as a freshman. And now I'm all-star, all-conference. I forgot the source. And in that jail cell, I was reminded how helpless I am if it wasn't for the source. You see, that's what Christ is trying to teach them in this passage, Scripture. That's what he's trying to teach them. It doesn't sound like that when you read the text. So it's, it's, an, implicit message in this, it's an implicit message in this text that you can run right past. Because it just sounds like he's talking about a slave. It sounds like he's trying to say something to them about forgiveness. But that's actually not what he's trying to teach them. He's trying to answer their question. Trying to answer their question. But in order to answer their question, he has to teach them who they are in his eyes. And so the first thing he's trying to teach them about the source is the fact that the source is microscopic. What is microscopic? What's the big deal about it being microscopic? Small, faith, it could, it's like a mustard seed. It could move a mulberry tree. Okay, what was this big deal? He could say faith is like a mustard seed. The reason why he's calling it microscopic is because you see it right here in the text. He's, he's asking them to do something that based on the law is crazy. When I say crazy, crazy, crazy. What I mean by it's crazy? The law is a, they're in a conditional time in Israel's history. You do right, you're blessed. You don't do right, you're cursed. They're in a conditional time. So in this conditional time, you don't do right, you, don't, you, you, get, you, you get cursed by God, Deuteronomy 28, you don't have to forgive because God is not forgiving. You, you, you do wrong, you break the law, he comes against you. You got to bring an animal, you got to do all these things. So the concept of forgiveness to them was just three times. You're being gracious. That's why Peter would say seven times. Peter thought he was being like, great. I mean, they only do three times, I'm saying seven. So Christ comes to him and he says, in that situation where he does not have to forgive, in that situation he doesn't have to respond, Christ comes to him and says, no, it's like every time. What? I ain't forgiving nobody every time. They twisted. I'm not forgiving them. 
And what you're asking me to do is impossible to do. Let me tell you why it's impossible. Somebody comes and take your cow. This is, in their day, a cow is a dairy cow. They ain't no going down here and get buying milk and bringing the milk. They'll take care of your children. So you get a dairy cow. That's why we buy cows for people in Africa, in the countryside of Africa. Stop twisting Africa up and let them people make you think Tarzan is running around down there. Okay? Not happening. And, uh, Africa's got cities like we got cities. Escalators like we got escalators. I've been there. I've seen it. I've been to Kenya. I've been, uh, watched it. It's, them cities of Africa, cities of Africa. The countryside don't have all of the poverty-supporting mechanisms that we have here. Some people are poor in Africa. They're poor. Like in many countries. You go to Europe, there are projects in Europe. They just don't show you them. Okay? So don't believe that. I've traveled to Europe. There are some poor places. They just don't show you that. They show you poor places in Africa. God, they rescued us. So please understand. A country, when you, have, when you have cows, and somebody come take your cow, the law says what to do with that. The law says they owe you a retribution. And this is how the retribution is taking place. And now you have to wait, sitting in a jail cell like I am, I got to wait for this to take place. Not too long ago, I'm walking through the airport. I got a pass where I could just come in the country and do a little stuff, and I'm gone. I don't have to stay in no long lines. And a man stopped me. Come back here with me, sir. He brings up Mesquite, Texas. I forgotten all about it. I didn't even know it was on my record because I didn't do nothing. I just walked in, they put me in jail, walked me out the door. I didn't even know they took a record. But they said, oh, hold up, slow down. We need to talk to you. Sitting in another room. Now I can talk a little bit because I got a little law background there. Not whole law background. But they brought it up. You see, what could I do? I got to depend on this, depend on that, depend on these different things. I cannot go and just fight the man and act crazy and go crazy in, the, in, the, in there. Oh, man, let me tell you what they did to me. It just happened to be a black guy who said, yeah, they did them kind of things in them days, man. Go on about your business. So God took care of it. But at the end of the day, they don't have that. So to tell me I got to keep giving him cows... I'm dead. My kids are dead. What are you talking about, God? Are you trying to tell me if a man comes and rapes my little daughter that I got to do that? Think about their concept. They are dealing with Roman oppression. They're dealing with soldiers that would come and do things to their kids. You, what are you telling me? Jesus Christ, you're crazy. So that's why they said to him, increase my faith. I can't do that. How many, many of us feel that way today? When things are going crazy in our jobs and people are doing things behind our back and cutting us in the back and saying all kinds of things, and God is saying, vengeance does not belong to you. I will repay. No, i got to say something right now. That's what we feel like. But when we stop by a cop or things happen crazy and the Bible is saying, here is the law and this is how you stay in law. Nothing wrong with marching, nothing wrong with standing up for what you believe in. But this is the law. This is how you must be respectful of the law. I don't want to be respectful of no law because the law is messing with me. So God increased my faith. What is he talking about some mulberry tree and increase my faith? Here's the first thing you must learn about faith. Faith don't come from me. Faith don't come from you. The Bible says faith first arrives when I accept, accept Christ into my life. That's when it first arrives. Nobody even has the faith on their own to accept Christ into their life on their own. Nobody does. Nobody came to Christ because I just happened to believe myself and I understood what Jesus Christ died on the cross and so I came to Christ, that's why I did it. Nobody does that. The Bible says I draw you to me. No man seeks God. No, not one. On our own, we weren't seeking him. He was seeking us. We didn't seek church. We didn't seek God. Our only desire we had to come after Christ, the Bible says he is the one that did that. And when he drew us to him, he gave us a shot as to whether we believe or don't believe. And the Bible says when we get to that shot, the Bible says at the end of the day, he looks at our heart, not our confession. Many, many say, Lord, Lord, but few will enter into the kingdom of heaven. He looks at our heart. If our heart was sincere, heart meaning I'm willing to turn my life over to God. I'm willing to give my heart to God, meaning my life, my desires, my passions, my everything. I'm willing to do that. He says right at that point when I saw your heart that way. I brought you faith. That's why it's a seed. I put the Holy Spirit in your life, and that Holy Spirit became your seed. 
that I could now develop and mature and grow. And that is all you needed. All you needed to do the impossible was to accept me in your life. Once you accept me in your life as your Savior and your Lord, once you do that, you got it all that it could take to do the things in your life that are totally impossible. So how does that work? How does that work? Because the disciples are saying, now watch this carefully. He said, Luke is writing many, many, many years after the church has been functioning. Luke is saying, the apostles said to the Lord. Watch this carefully. Why is he saying the apostles said it to the Lord? Luke is saying that the apostles, when they hear what Christ is saying, and they know he's also saying go to the Gentiles. He's also saying do all these crazy things. Peter gets it later on after the resurrection. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In other words, I don't need nothing because the source is within me. So whatever you need, the source will supply. I don't have to have money. He finally got it, but before then, I'm cutting somebody's ears off. He didn't get it. So how does this work? How do we deal with the impossible situations when a husband ain't changing, when a wife ain't changing? You've prayed over them while they sleep. You've kept the hot water back, and you didn't pour it. And you know you could have poisoned their food. You didn't do it. You could have slashed their tires because you had the knife. You kept the gun loaded, safety off, but you changed your mind. How do you, when this person doesn't change, when the cancer doesn't change, when the diabetes doesn't change, when the dialysis is still the same, when the bills are still the same, when loneliness as a single is still there, how do you experience the source? See, he says this thing. Look at verse 6 of chapter 17 of the book of Luke. He says, And the Lord said, If you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say, watch the word carefully, if you had it, not since you have it, if you have it. In other words, you find this out, we don't have time for this, in Mark 16. In Mark 16 he would say, if you believe, you will know who believed in me as my true apostles by the way they function by faith. So that's why in Luke 17, he would say, if. Got to go Mark 16 to figure that out. But here's the key thing, he says. He says here, he says, you will say, you will say, <laughs> you will say to this mulberry tree. Why do you pick a mulberry tree? A mulberry tree its roots are like everywhere. It doesn't just go in the ground and you can pull it up like a weed. No, it, it, it's like everywhere. So it's impossible to pull the tree up. So you can't, if you can't pull the tree up, you can't replant it. And if you take a mulberry tree and put it in, the, in water, it dies. So what he's saying is if you had this faith, you would say to the mulberry tree, you would say to the mulberry tree to just do something that's totally impossible and it will get done. Watch it carefully. Watch the sequence. If you had faith, you will say. Watch the sequence. I'll give you an example. My son comes to me years ago when he was a kid, and he said to me, Dad, I want a scooter. I want a scooter. Now, my wife, she has a way when the kids were small to, um, we, got, we had a tight budget. I mean, tight budget, tight budget. And so I'm saying, yeah, 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 yeah. She, my wife, when, you, when she doesn't know what you're doing and she doesn't want the kids to know she's going to disrespect the husband, she had a way of standing there and she just kind of started dancing a little bit and uh, she don't say nothing. And when you turn around, she gone. You know, it's like, you got that one. But I didn't want to disappoint him because when I look outside, the kids got scooters. In our neighborhood when the kids were growing up, it's in Katy, Texas. Like Pierre would say, he was, you know, he, he was a hood baby. He ain't nowhere no hood baby. But he was, he was in Katy, Texas on the street playing. And he is thinking about y'all because he, he just loves this service. He's excited. He's back in Legacy Sanctuary. He's losing his mind. So he, he yeah, he is. He talks to me. Oh, I'm glad I'm done. All right, all right, cool, cool, man. Uh, but... He's out in the street, and they're playing out in the street, a bunch of kids in that neighborhood. So I was, I said, oh, man, a bunch of them got scooters. This boy going to come. So I already thought about it. He comes in. I, I said to him, 
all right, man, all right, we get you a scooter. He, he comes back inside the house. He goes, do you promise? I go, yeah, 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 I promise. That's why my wife is kind of like, oh, that's brother Negro crazy. Okay, I promise. Come back again. Dad, you promise? I promise. So I go get my, my little seat sitting on the driveway watching them play. He's outside going, hey, I'm going to get me a scooter. Then he started getting real black on the wheels. See the wheels? Going to have this on the wheels. And on the back of the scooter, I said, this brother black already. He's up in the white neighborhood. He's talking about a scooter. I said, man, I never told him about no wheels. I said, I'm getting him a scooter from Walmart. I don't know what he's talking about. He's sitting up there describing the scooter. I never knew he was thinking because in his mind, he's getting the scooter of a scooter because his daddy promised. He never asked me for my budget. He never asked me whether or not I got the money. He just asked me one thing. Do you promise? God gave me, gave us 7,000 promises in the Bible. And he's God. Before he tells us to the disciples, he's walked on water. <laughs> he has gotten Lazarus from the grave after four days. They have watched him do powerful miracle after powerful miracle, breaking everything that is impossible in their minds. They've watched the impossible take place because if a man is in the grave four days in Jewish culture, they believe he's done, done. Jesus Christ had a two-day journey. He took four days to go on that two-day journey to tell them against their culture, I can be the resurrection. So they've seen all of this. So when he says to them is, if you have this faith that is pure, you would walk around talking about a scooter because I said it. You would, your, your, your vocabulary would change. Your confidence would change. How you function would change because you're resting on the person who you know is capable of doing all things. You know this person is capable of being able to drive you, move you in different directions. This person, when they speak, his word comes true. This person, it doesn't matter how impossible a, a situation is. He got up from the grave. It doesn't matter what you have to face. This person can rescue you. And because I believe that, I'm going to tell you that Jesus Christ, I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? I'm more than a conqueror. He wrote that stuff in jail because he can speak because he had a mustard seed of faith. See, once I accept Christ, <laughs> let's, and he says what he's going to say. Let's do it. Now, now some of y'all get twisted. Y'all putting your hands on cars. Well, the Lord is going to bless me. He said, he'll grant me the desires of my heart. We forget the first few verses. Abide in me. What is he talking about? The mustard seed of faith. And I abide in you. Abiding in me is keeping my word. We forget that part. Nowhere in the Bible it says, I'm going to buy you a car. But we believe these things. Why? Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by what? Word of God. Faith is not whatever I decide is faith. Faith is not whatever conviction I feel that my grandmama told me. Faith is not what I believe because I'm a cowboy fan. Faith ain't got nothing to do with that. Faith simply is what the Bible says it, I believe it, and I start talking like it's going to happen because God can't fail me because his word never returns void. He says, when you know a person has a mustard seed of faith, because faith is not dependent on us, it's dependent on the source. When a person is dependent on that source, all it takes for them to do is to actually believe the source is real, and then they start functioning on the source that they believe is real. And when they start functioning on the source that they believe is real, the Bible says anything is possible. Anything. See, this is the beautiful thing about it. You don't have to create results when it's a mustard seed of faith. Let's get results. I got pushed on that throughout this pandemic. Pastor, how do you know this is going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. So you don't know if it's going to be a spread at living word. I got no clue. So how, 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 how are we going to protect the spread? I don't have to protect the spread. I just got to follow the law because he told me to. If the, if the people in CDC say wear a mask, we're wearing a mask. If they say spread out, we spread out. If they say this, we do this. We're just going to follow whatever the government rules are because he tells me to respect the people he puts in authority. So since I'm respecting the people he puts in authority, what am I doing? His word. What is his word? Faith. So what am I doing? Just following it? I don't know what the results are. I don't know. I go in the house. How are we going to get this scooter? I got no idea. I was crazy like that. So why are you telling him that? 
I'm going to figure it out. How are you going to figure it out? And why are you doing it? Self-esteem. I've literally watched the kids on the streets and their parents are mine scooters. And us, our little black kid ain't got one. Self-esteem. I got to pray and ask God to provide. So I found a way to put a five bucks here, this buck here, this buck here, this buck here, and bought him a scooter. You know, it's funny how kids are. I put the scooter together, which was a miracle from God, and he never looked back. Boom! He's out the garage. I said, Negro, okay, I said, uh, <laughs> he was gone on that scooter. I remember sitting on the garage saying, God, could I ever trust you like that? Could I ever trust you like that when I sit here and I watch the sun every day, the moon, the stars, the earth spinning, water, rain coming so I can get it out of that tap. You could bring in the seasons. I never bring them in or take them out. God, you can keep me from disease. Oh, God. Could I trust you like that? Why? All I have to do is decide to believe you. Connect to the source automatically. All things are possible. Here's the next thing he says here. He says, and if he sins against you seven times, seven, just keep sinning against you. Saying, seven times, saying, I repent. And forgive him. The apostle said to him, the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord said to him, if you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to the mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted. And it would obey who? You. You. Are you obeying him? Mm -mm. You. So wait a minute. <laughs> I'm not the person. No, no, no. See, when you're connected to the source, you are the person. He's saying the keys the gates of Hades. I'm putting it with the leaders of the church. You. I don't need to be the one sitting around and going now you got some air. I don't have to be the one sitting around just pumping things up so you can have what you have. I am who I am. I just need for you to believe and once you believe and once you're committed to this process, he says you get the blessing. You get the blessing. I don't get the blessing because I don't need the blessing. You get it. Oh, folks, I get tired of people saying, bless me in the city, bless me in the fields. Bless me when I come and when I go. And I'm going, why are you acting like you ain't blessed already? You are blessed already. The question is, why are you not experiencing it? We shut the source off. Is, there, is water going to everybody in Houston? Yes. If you don't have it, Why? You don't pay the light bill, the water bill. Or you don't have a tap to tap in. The bill has been paid on Calvary's cross. Are we tapped in? Not a lack of water. It's a lack of a commitment to the source. That's why he says this to us. He says to us, it must be directional. Look at verse 7. We must accept the direction that he provides. We must, I say this again. We must accept the direction he provides. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by his words, not ours. Here it is. He goes to this story about a slave, and I kept wondering, oh, man, for days. Why do you go to this story about a slave? And this is where things become implicit when it's explicit. Why are you going to the story about a slave? And he tells us right here as we walk through this passage, because in the bottom of this text, inserted into this text, is you got to stick with the words. And watch the words carefully. Watch the words carefully. Look at verse five. He said, verse seven. He says, "Which of you, having a slave, a slave? Why would he say a slave? Do you own? Do we technically own anything? No. That's why we don't go to heaven in a U-Haul. Naked we came, naked we leave. Blessed be the name of the Lord." Okay? We literally, really, they just dressed up in the coffin, but we left naked. Okay? So a slave, why is it a slave? He's talking to people who used to be slaves for hundreds of years. 
Egyptians, is Israelites in Egypt. He says, a slave, a slave is waiting for the master to tell him what to do. A slave doesn't get up in the morning going, I'm cleaning the kitchen. I'm going to go out here and do this. A slave is always waiting for the master to do what, he's, what he needs to be done. So he's saying to us, whatever you face in your life, what am I saying? And are you waiting to get the message from me? And are you committed to the message? So at the end of the day, I am his slave. Before you get twisted, hold up a minute. Christ was a slave before he asked us to be slaves. Beat me. I must be about my father's business. Put me on a cross. Must be about my father's business. Foxes have holes. Birds of the hair have nests. Son of man has no place to lay his head. I must be about my father's business. So he was committed to God like he's asking for us to be committed to God. So he was a slave to his master. And that's why we got resurrection and, and life. So the first thing I must accept in order for this source to become productive through me is that, God, I choose to be your slave. Whatever you tell me to do, I'm doing it. Whenever you tell me to do it, I'm going to do it. Whatever it costs me to do it, I'm going to get it done. Why? Because, God, I see you only as a slave. So you see, the reason why there was such a loyalty to my parents is because as I grow old, I started to realize, man, these people are like all of my friends on my soccer team and all this other stuff who became friends and all this. They weren't there for me. But who showed up at that jail cell? Well, my dad, and he was mad. Well, you put my son back here for. He didn't care what they could do to him. He showed up with his tall son ready to get the next one out. Ain't nobody else was there. And my friends in the neighborhood was there. He was. Got home. Mom was there. Come on, boy. You okay? Come on, son. See, I received the love and support from parents, not from friends. Man, you all right? Okay, man, let's go do this. So, when my parents needed something... What y'all need? The older I got. My mom needed something. Done. What you need, mom? I'll be in Dallas. I messed up. No, you don't have to come, son. Just say happy birthday. No, I'm coming to Dallas. Slave. The value of the master is high. This world twists us up. So we mentioned the word slave before God. It's insulting. But when we stand up on his earth and remember who provided us strength, it's a blessing. Look at this. Which of you haven't been having a slave plowing and tending sheep will say to him when he comes in into the field, go immediately and sit down and eat. And, it shall be, and he shall not say to him, prepare something for me to eat. What? Okay, hold up a second. This gets deep. He's not saying because we are slaves, we don't have a lot to do. He's saying, no, no, no. In their day, plowing is not some nice machine and you're driving down the yard and it's working on the back. Plowing for them is an oxen and a plow, standing on the plow, going down the, the field. Taking care of animals, they didn't like sheep herders. They stunk. They could be outside. That's why you see Joseph on this side, his brothers on that side, Egyptians on that side. Because the Egyptians did not like sheep herders. They stunk. Why? They could be out in the field for two weeks looking for the proper grass and the proper water because sheep were finicky about what they eat. And so they could be out for a long time. Sheep get stuff in their nose. They got to go in their nose and clean it out. They got to do all the stuff. So people came in and saw sheep herders. They went like this. They didn't want to deal with them. So you got a man out here plowing, taking care of sheep, and then he, when he comes back in, he has to come and undress his clothes and wash up, and then he turns around and serve the master. What? Because you, you can't just come in from that kind of stuff and serve somebody food when you're stinking. What is he saying to you? What he's saying to you, living word, is I am asking you to work. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. And sometimes you're going to think I'm very inconsiderate when I tell you to do more. You know, God, I've been this good husband, man. I've been this good wife. I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done that. He says, do more. You're not done yet. God, you don't understand, man. I struggle with depression and I've, I've, I've gone to this counseling. I've done this. He said, all right, I may need you to do more. 
See, when a person's a slave, they don't go, man, it's too much. When a person's a slave, they say, ha-ha, I got it, your Lord. I know you got my back. I know you're going to take care of me. You promised to never leave me, never forsake me, so I go do what you tell me. Because they're a slave. The minute a person was to say to God, you're asking too much. I'm out of this marriage. You're asking too much. I am done when it comes to this job. I'm out of here. You're asking me too much. Serve more. Where am I going to find the time with God? Where am I going to find the time? Go serve at this church. Man, the church needs to do something for me. The Bible says, you're not a slave. Therefore, it's hard to stay connected to the source. Therefore, it's hard to experience powerful faith that does the impossible. It is. Years ago, when I got in trouble at 8 o'clock service, I used to call these people teenage Christians to myself. I said it to very few people. But today, for some reason, 8 o'clock service, I got this whole new revelation. And they, they, they've been pumping me to say the word right, because I said it wrong, 8 o'clock. Kunta Kente. Did I say it right this time? I call these people Kunta Kente Christians. You can't get Kunta Kente to go do what you want him to do. Well, Kunta Kente going to do what he going to do. So even though Kunta Kente was technically a slave, Kunta Kente going to run off. Kunta Kente going to tell you, you know what? Hey, I'm out of here. You can beat me. I'm out. You can tell me I'm going to do this. I'm out. I'm not here. So some believers are Kunta Kente Christians. They're not Christians. They're Christians. They're saved, but they are not going to experience the powerful movement of God in their life because they're Kunta Kente Christians. They're going to be out when God say more. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Chapter 4. Chapter 4. Look at verse 12. He says, in verse 12, he says, For the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. What's he saying? Go to work for the building up of the body. Look at chapter 6, chapter 4, verse 16. He says, For whom the whole body being fitted and held together by every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. He says, If I don't have slaves in the church, people can't grow. But what do we say? I'll come to church. Y'all better help me grow. What am I getting church for, going to church for? I ain't getting none out of it. And then they want my money on top of that. That's twisted, man. I ain't going to church. What am I getting out of church? He said, Because you are. But you, you go out in your life and you're going, man, my life messed up, man. It just stinks, man. But I'm trying to change. I'm trying to do the right thing, man. But I ain't doing no church. He says, you're a Kunta Kente Christian. You want God to bless you. You want God to bless you in the fields, bless you in the city, bless you when you come and when you go. But you don't want to stay connected to the source. You want to have your own source but have God's results. And he said, you can't have your own God results without God. So sometimes it's just a slave mentality. God, what do you want me to do? And if you ask me to do more in this marriage, I got this. If you ask me to do more in my single life, how am I going to not have this man in my house? I got bills to pay. I got rent. I got children. How am I going to pay all this without this man? You asking me to do what? Sometimes God tell you, go to this job. And shut this person off in your life. They're not saved. They're not a, a man or a woman that is building you up. They're tearing you down. It's time to disconnect. Stop dating this person. No, God, I can't see how I can make it. God is saying, you ain't supposed to see. Because faith is what you hope for, but you can't see. You hope that things will change. You hope that your life will be better. You expect God to do it. So you keep obeying his word, expecting God to do what he says he's going to do because you keep hoping it, hoping it, that God is going to make this happen. He may take it longer. He may ask for more. But I am not going to leave the source because if I leave the source, I got no hope. So that's why some people, you only learn how dedicated they are to God when there's no covid because he asked for more in COVID. And they said, Kunta Kente. Peace. See y'all later. God, I'm praying for y'all. He said, that's why those slaves are unworthy. 
I don't hook up with those slaves the same way because I don't see them worthy to receive the kind of faith I can supply and the blessings they want. They are not worthy of those blessings. They're just not. You see, in my three jobs, the coach had a plan for the summer. And the plan for the summer was you must run. You must run. Because soccer is 10 miles a game. That's what it is. It's 10 miles a game. Running sprints for 10 miles. So run. I knew I was on the edge. I was a freshman. I was, took somebody's spot. But that person was gunning for my spot back. All his friends were supporting him. Because I was this black guy in the 70s that took this guy's spot. I knew. So I decided my car broke down. My little Vega. I don't know if y'all remember them Chevy Vegas. Y'all, some of y'all old like me. Had a little Chevy Vega, broke down. I said, you know what? It's time to run. So I would literally took a change of shirt and I'd run 15 miles to the next job, which meant I slept less. I ran more. I got to the job, changed my clothes, took off my shirt, and that job was moving furniture in Dallas, Texas. And from apartment complexes was three stories high, no elevator. I remember doing that job. Uh, it, was, it was funny, though. There was a guy that worked with me. Uh, he was the boss. He was the boss on that truck. And uh, he taught me how to lift a couch in them days, not a sleeper couch, a couch by myself. I started to learn. He's teaching me this, so don't he have to do it? <laughs> it took me a minute to get this old man, you know, Jim was his name. Jim said, let me teach you how to lift the couch, boy. Let me teach you how. I got it on my back. There you go. Now walk this way. And I made it down the steps. All right, now here's another couch. I started realizing Jim's sitting in the truck. I said, okay, no problem. So Jim became my best friend. Every time I showed up in the summer, he says, hire Paul. <laughs> Good paying job. Run. I remember that season, getting out there. First, got three a days. Hey, guys, Run. Could run that year, all district. I learned in just playing the game. Sometimes you got to be a slave to gain everything you want from the slave owner. You see, that's why he ends with this. Go back to Luke. I know I'm talking to black people when I say slave, but hang in there. Look at verse 17. This is Black History Month, and this brother's telling me to be a slave. Well, look at verse 10. <laughs> he says this. So you too. So you too, slave. So you too. So he's talking to us. When you do all the things, all the things which you are commanded, you are unworthy slave. What? I followed your Bible. He says, no, but you only followed the imperatives in the Bible. What is he saying? Who's he talking to? Jews. What do Jews have? Laws. What do they do in the law? Follow the law. So he says, when you just come in and follow the law, I'm a provider in my home. I provide it. You know what? You got the inside. I got the outside. I cleaned up outside already. Click, watching TV, sitting on the couch. I brought the money home. What's she tripping about? He said, you followed the commands. You're unworthy. She says, when I go to the job, I did my job. Why they tripping, man? I got everything done. He goes, unworthy. You did what was commanded of you. You didn't do anything extra. See, when, 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 he, when we literally go and we say, I'm a single parent and I got this, or I'm dealing with this struggle in my life of meeting someone. But I'm God, I'm going to try to pick the best persons, but I'm up two or three guys, three or three girls, so I figure out which one I want. Y'all know what I'm talking about. As soon as I figure out which one I want, that's the one I'm going to go with. No. Even though you're maintaining your purity and you're trying to find a good mate, you're doing it messed up. So you're unworthy. You see, many of us do what we know God wants. I came to church. But don't be asking me to do a whole bunch of stuff. Don't be doing that, cannons. Do what? Help you pick up bulletins after church? 
Y'all got that. <laughs> you know, like my mother got sick of seeing the bathrooms dirty at the church. During the week, she cleaned it. Oh, <laughs> a bunch of white folk went to that church. You're crazy. I ain't doing that. Yeah. We only do what's commanded. We came to church. We went home. We did the bare necessities. We showed up for three-day practices, but we're not in shape. Unworthy. Some of us want all these blessings from God, but are you willing to be his slave? You see, <laughs> what was he for us? Slave. What is he today for us? A slave. Let me read this here, what I wrote, so I don't preach it and keep you much longer. This is what I wrote in here, as I thought about this, because many times during the pandemic, I know the staff is asking me, well, Pastor Ken, I got no answers for you. All I know is he says, do not neglect the assembling of ourselves together. Follow the law. So the question is, how are we going to do it? How are we going to get it done? Because that's the orders. That's all I know. But suppose some, I, I don't, can't deal with the supposes. I got nothing. I don't control results. You're going to Africa. Hey, man, that could really get you killed. Being in America get me killed. There's less virus problems in Africa than in America. We're one of the worst nations. So he told me to go. I don't control results. I just go. I'm a slave. This is what he says. Without Jesus Christ, there would be no salvation. No intercession for us sitting at the right hand of the Father. That's out. No Holy Spirit in our lives. That's done. Without Jesus Christ, there's no angels circling us all day long. Hebrews 1.14. Without Jesus, there's no forgiveness of sins. Without Jesus, there's no hope after death. Without Jesus, <laughs> the rapture and the church doesn't exist. There is no New Testament. There's, no <laughs> there, there's not even a person to help us in troubled times so that when we lose loved ones, the Holy Spirit is our peace. When we study the scriptures, he brings the word of God back to our memories, our remembrance. He guides us in the truth. None of that is there. Without Jesus, I can't find joy because there's no fruit of the Spirit coming out. Without Jesus, <laughs> I have nothing. So how does he work with us? Slave. They said, what are you talking about? This is what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this. I want to talk to you as your pastor today as I close this message. Because God gave us more COVID. He gave us more. He said, if you love me, let's see how much you love me. Here's COVID. If you love me, I'm going to keep it going for two years, going on three. Let's see if you stay the journey. Let's see if you're going to back up and say, where's God? All this mess happening. But you see, we benefit from people like the Apostle Paul, who in jail wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. Because when he was made a prisoner, he did more. See, we benefit from people like Moses, who in the wilderness would trust God and write Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He would tell us of a man who God blessed and would call righteous. The first book in the Bible, Job. He would tell us about this man that God blessed and made great. That he took everything from him. And Job will still say, blessed be the name of the Lord. So he blessed him twice what he ever had. You see, today we walk around and we go... Hey, I need God's blessing. He's saying, I got you. I'm your slave. Be my slave. And we got this where you could do the impossible. 
There's nothing you can't stop doing. There's no job you can't go to and get promoted from. There's no marriage you can't fix. There is no singleness you can't be blessed in. There's no raising kids I can't provide you when things get tough. There's no situation you could be in in this crazy world where I am locked in prison, locked in jail, and don't know how I'm going to make it, and I'm a 19-year-old kid just about to lose my mind. And give me a father who chose not to neglect me and saw that so far ahead of time that I would not have a father who would have walked from me. You see, if the person is always giving us more, how many of us have not deserved his love but his more trying to bring us back? How many of us have been on the operating table he gave us more? How many of us have been broke, didn't know how we're going to make it, and he found a way out of no way? He's saving us every day. We walk around, we put this mask on our face, and we go, yeah, thank you, God. God is going, that mask ain't saving you. I am. Our kids go out the door. He brings them back. Many days I look at my grandkids, and I say, oh, oh Heavenly Father, you have blessed. I claim verses, passages of scripture like one, Psalm 112, Psalm 128, and hold on to them. Proverbs 24, say, yes, God, I trust you. And I see them come in and go out. And I go, hallelujah, you gave me more, but now I got to be a grandparent to make them what you want, help make them what you want them to be. Their parents are doing a great job, wonderful job, but what's my role? More, more. I think I enjoy having seven of them over at my age? No. <laughs> but when I see them hugging each other, playing with each other, building strong relationships together, for the sake of the legacy I have, more. Yes, God is asking more of you. I get it. There's more job stuff coming down. There's more virus stuff. There's more headaches raising a family. There's more headaches managing your home. There's more headaches when the single life is longer than you planned. There's more headaches when daddy bombers don't show up, daddy babies don't show up, whatever that is, don't show up for you. Well, I got Kunta Kente down, so that was a good thing. I get it. That's why, as a pastor, I'm leading this church this way. Because I know I could not get a better slave who chooses to be a slave and my master. He doesn't have to be a slave for me. I'm nothing. I'm a breath. Moses said it well. I'm like dust. He's in a desert. It's here today and gone tomorrow. But he still loves me, still loves you. Are you willing to be a worthy slave? Let's pray. Oh God, I don't want us to just make it through the virus. That's not what you are teaching me. I wish I could learn it.